Hello, everyone. My name is Christopher. I use he, them, and he, him pronouns. My name is Judah. I use they slash them. My name is JQ. You can use she, her pronouns for me. And we're here with a very special guest from Ace Aerospace, if you'd like to introduce yourself. Hello. Um, I'm Omaya. I use they, them pronouns. Awesome! Okay, well today, if you couldn't figure it out by that little teaser and also my epic graphic I made two hours before this. And also our outfits. And also our green, green outfits. Uh, <laughs> it is our Aromantic Awareness Week episode uh, as a counter to our Valentine's Day episode last week. Uh, they, <laughs> We must balance out the forces in yin, yin and yang or else the world will explode. Um, but yeah, today we're going to be, well, I'm not going to be because I'm also the subject of this interview. Uh, Omaya and I are going to be uh, barraged with questions about being aromantic in a nice way. So nice word for barrage uh, by Judah and JQ, uh, just to get a little bit of dialogue going, understanding about the aromantic identity um, and how it differs from a typical alloromantic, amatonormative experience. Um, so I guess I can start with introducing my identity. So I identify as aromantic, but not asexual. That's also called allosexual aromantic. Allosexual meaning not asexual. Um, that means that I still experience sexual attraction, but I do not experience romantic attraction. I started identifying this way in my freshman year of college, actually. Um, that was my big, I guess that's a theme for most people uh, when they realize they're gay, if they didn't realize it in middle school. Um, so yeah, I realized when I was a freshman in college, and I had what I thought was a crush on my sweet mate, and uh, <laughs> in fact it was not. Uh, and uh, thinking about it more, I was like, damn, if I were to date him, I think I'd be miserable. Uh, but that would be me with everybody else. So, um, Amaya, you want to introduce your particular labels or anything you want to um, share? I identify as demi-romantic asexual, and... Um, I kind of just figured it out throughout high school. It was a very slow figuring things out because trying to come to terms with being arrow or ace is a lot like waiting for something to turn on, but just doesn't. Yeah. And you can't like prove a negative almost. You like kind of just wait infinitely. Yeah. Well, I'm glad we're here. I actually met Omaya in the Ace Aerospace, like I mentioned, hosted by the UCLA LGBT Center. I don't go to the meetings anymore because I forgot to check the Discord, but uh, they're very cool. And you'll get to know that today. Do you guys want to start the barrage? Yeah. I, sorry, I lost my train of thought. I'm going to be real honest. I'm really tired. Remember the first, the first question is the do you fuck question, remember? Oh, sorry, no. yeah. Everyone wants to know. I wish. Okay. If only. Next question. All right, next one. We, moved out. we can cross that one out. Um, that was actually a joke from the Oh yeah, slash J. Yeah, slash J. We're not serious. We're not gonna be asking really inappropriate weird questions like that. Normal um, ones only. Yeah, only normal ones. <laughs> um, I guess my question is let's start off with a light one. What are your aromantic headcanons? Ooh, okay. I already shared this earlier because as you can see, and as is mandated for every podcast episode, I am wearing a walking dead shirt. And um, if I may get on my soapbox, Daryl Dixon from The Walking Dead is aromantic. And if they give him a love interest in this spinoff, I might quit the show. Because they tried giving him a love interest in the show, and then he shot her in the head with an arrow. <laughs> and that feels symbolic to me. You know what I mean? Um, so Like the opposite of Cupid's arrow. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Arrow's arrow, I guess. Um, but he is like a typical lone wolf character throughout the show. Um, all of his 
uh, like character arcs throughout the 11 seasons of The Walking Dead are all his relationship to his biological brother and then his chosen brother with Rick Grimes and his loving brotherly relationship with Beth um, and his what I consider a QPR with Carol, who if you've seen the character, I'll put a picture. It's usually him and an old woman. And she's like a badass domestic violence survivor who every situation the characters find themselves in, she's the one who gets them out. So they're like the powerhouse team. They're the only two characters from the first season besides Rick uh, who are still alive. Um, And I think that shows the power of friendship and the detriment of romance. Um, burn it all down. No, just kidding. Uh, we got some, we, this is a romance, romance nuanced space. Uh, but that's, that's my favorite aromantic headcanon for sure. Well, watching the Owl House, I kept headcanning Willow as aromantic and, um, it's a time right now. It's like seeing where the fandom's at, seeing where the show's going. It's like, oh, okay. I, okay. <laughs> fine. For, for those of us who haven't seen the Owl House and also don't know who Willow is, um, where is the show going? They're like they're implying some romance, and okay. I'm just thinking, please no! I want you to be the arrow plant witch. <laughs> please, oh, it's yeah. already set up. Please, anything that's green or related to green, you've been stolen. I used to not like the color green, actually. Really? Yeah, I used to. Th- it was my mom's favorite color, and I didn't like it very much. And then I got an arrow flag for my uh, dorm, and I started to like it. And that arrow flag is behind us today. Um, so it's symbolic of my coming out, I guess liking the color green because color i feel like green is like gay arrow solidarity because a lot of gay people love the color green this is not a bad color you're wearing 100 percent green it's not a bad no <laughs> as you wear a literal <laughs> neon green outfit i have Slay. to do a fit check my fit's so cute sorry sorry yeah fit not check another intermission me. for for judas fit check this is not about me this is about my outfit my, yeah <laughs> Owl House yet. I need to get on that. I heard it's really good. Yeah, it's got bi people and non-binary people in it too, I hear. Oh dang. Even though it's a Disney show. Good on you, Disney. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure it was totally your call for that to happen. So I actually want to expand a little bit on something Chris said and his answer. Because you mentioned QPRs and I'd love to know uh I guess what QPRs mean to you or how you feel about that as a model of a relationship. Yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know, QPR, we were making a pun with NPR just a little bit ago, um, but QPRs are stand for queer platonic relationships. And my definition of it is having a relationship with somebody that is basically taking the emotional place of a a romantic relationship, but without typical romantic elements. So we talked a lot in our Valentine's Day episode about like a couple of us have uh, really close friends that we've known for a long time. We relate to a lot. We spend a lot of time with, and it's not like we're romantically attracted to them or we wanted to want to get into a romantic relationship with them, but the relationship we have with them kind of fulfills what would be our need for a romantic relationship if if we were um, romantic. Because for me, I don't feel a need for a romantic relationship personally. I'm not like romance repulsed, but I personally, after being in a few romantic relationships uh, and the very quick one month one after I realized I was aromantic and still wanted to try it and then it was terrible, uh, I realized that I don't I don't need a romantic relationship. And in fact, I don't really want one. Um, But I do like the idea of 
having a life partner, having, cause I don't like being by myself. I'm extroverted. One time I was, uh, when we were online for four weeks at the beginning of winter quarter last year, uh, my roommate decided to stay home with his parents for those four weeks. And I came here and in the week three, I was calling my mom, like, mom, I don't know what to do with myself. I'm, <laughs> I haven't seen him in three weeks and I haven't seen anybody in three weeks. And I've been staring at my computer for seven hours and I haven't done anything. And she's like, have you considered going outside? And I'm like, I also don't want to do that. So if he could just come, that would be great. Um, but yeah, I'm an extrovert. I love obviously having friends. I love doing stuff like this, talking with people. So if I had somebody who like we cooked meals together and we, you know, took a mortgage out on a house together and we lived in the same place and we came home every day from work and talked each other's ears off and watched movies like, although that's typically what a romantic relationship looks like, minus, well, in addition to people doing romantic, traditionally romantic things, like I'd be satisfied with that. But I do want to make it clear, too, because it's like a general, general narrative that aromantic people are more valid or like there, there's a lot of reassurance that like if you're aromantic and you want to be in a romantic relationship you're valid but there's like very little validity posturing around people who are loveless or don't want those relationships because there are some aromantic people who uh don't want anything they don't want that life they want to live by themselves with maybe their cats or their plants for the rest of their lives and they don't experience that form of cryptotonic love or, or, or romantic love in any sort of capacity. Um, and I want to shout them out because I feel like they don't get enough, ironically, they don't get enough love. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's my spiel about QPRs. Do you have any stuff you want to add about QPRs or your preference for romance or anything like that? Cause you mentioned, uh, when we were talking before your romance positive. So I want to get your perspective. Oh boy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> good start. Oh boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> Um, all right. When I say I'm demi-romantic, I like to think that I'm, like, dark gray demi-romantic, where it takes, like, uh, years for me to finally be like, you know what? That could be nice. Mm -hmm. And when I, like, I mean literal years. And the, the, like, what you were describing as a queer platonic relationship, that just sounds like the ideal. Like, even with romantic elements in it, like, I'm fine with that, but it's not the primary thing that I'm interested in. I just really want, like, a lifelong travel companion, basically, to just enjoy the mundane throughout life with. Enjoy the mundane. That's such a good way. Oh, I love that. Because I feel like, I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong, people who are not aromantic across the, the hall from us. Um, But being, I guess, and maybe it's my trauma with romantic relationships, but it just feels like more work when it's labeled as a romantic relationship. It feels like there's more... There's a lot more pressure. Yeah, there's more, yeah, like, there's obligation. More yeah, because, like, Obviously, like the the things I've seen on Twitter, <laughs> the discussions around romantic relationships on Twitter is so wild to me. To be fair, um, the discussions about anything on Twitter are wild. That is true. Let's preface with let's pre preface with that. Twitter is just a wild place in general. <laughs> but like, no, yeah, you're right. Like romantic relationships is a big pressure, right? But like, there's always like, oh, if you don't fight enough, it's your relationship's not good enough, or like. If God, you guys sound so exhausted. If you don't, if, if you don't, if your partner doesn't cheat on you at least once and you don't forgive them, like you're a horrible person. Oh my God! Like, like it's just like there are things like that. It's just there's a lot of pressure in romantic relationships. I think we should stop labeling relationships the way that we do. Um, I think they're a lot more complicated. Honestly, than that. I feel like 
I'm more label positive about relationships. I just wish that um, relationship labels didn't come with an incredible amount of cultural baggage. Yeah, yeah. Like, I, I agree. It's kind of exhausting. Um, like, I love my boyfriend, don't get me wrong, but the, the pressure is just like the internal, external pressures of just like having to be like that model relationship is just always so... Uh, yeah, and you like look at straight relationships online, and I'm like, do you like each other? Because uh, I, I don't know if you do. I don't understand straight relationships. <laughs> like TBH, not to be heterophobic, but I don't really get you guys. <laughs> um, so, because like, I don't really get it. Because like, I mean, the whole thing with like 50% of marriages end in divorce is like that's probably a combination of those obligations and people. F- like, I feel like. M- it's weird to me that like Ooh. most people get into relationships without knowing the other person first. Like I feel like most of the oh, narratives are like, like yeah, sorry, could not be me. Anyway, go on. Yeah, but like, and obviously couldn't be you. Um, <laughs> it's inherent to the identity. Um, but it's it's so interesting to me how like you know on like dating apps and stuff like you meet and the only pretext is that you're romantically or sexually attracted to each other. And then you go from there, like you start the relationship right. there rather than I have a deep connection to you as a, a person. And then it's like, okay, well, I also have these feelings of connection that are separate from that or in addition to that. And so I want to pursue this type of relationship. But like Kelly mentioned last week is like, well, once you're in that trap of being a friend, you're like, oh, but I really like being your friend. So like, if I say I'm romantically into you, does that mean that we're not going to be friends anymore? And I think about that a lot because like, if somebody, I, I, okay, not to out myself as a loser, but uh, throughout school, I was that nobody ever confessed their feelings to me in school, right? Maybe as a joke, which is, makes me an extra loser, but like regularly without that. So, but I like to think that like, if somebody were to tell me they were romantically into me, I wouldn't treat our relationship differently because I don't really comprehend what those, how those feelings would change our relationship. Because I think the only thing that makes a relationship weird after you confess your romantic love for somebody is if there is no longer, like, a respect of boundaries, right? So, like, people, you know, when a cis guy, cis straight guy typically um, can, says, like, I have to tell you something to his girl best friend, um, it ends up not being good because once you reject that person, there is there's like this air of like okay historically this guy could kill me or right. uh, surpass my boundaries in some way but like when i don't feel like i would do that or the other person wouldn't do that then i'm like yeah whatever we can just continue to exist but that threat is like everywhere so yeah. it's hard to I mean, it's, it's always like i don't know as somebody who's been raised as a girl for the most part um even though i'm not i don't claim to be one um just like that socialization right of just like cis straight guys always being that kind of threat is scary it's really scary um so you kind of just always have to like watch your back and be like ah um and i think honestly too like we talked about this last week like humans are a lot more isolated now um not that again not that isolation is necessarily bad we also talked too that there's a lot of people seeking out connection, but they're seeking out the wrong connection. Well, you know what I mean? I feel like that there is like if you're seeking that form of not being isolated any anymore, I feel like there is 
an incredible amount of pressure, especially if you're a man, honestly, that like you can only have that emotional vulnerability in a romantic relationship. Like if you're a man with a lot of guy friends, uh, what are you fucking gay? (laughs) Literally. And it's funny because, oh my God. And it's funny with that outing myself as somebody who used to watch Curtis Connor, classic commentary YouTube. Um, he like did this episode. They do, you know, those types of YouTubers do a lot of episodes with like ultra misogynistic alpha males or about them, not with them, obviously. Um, but one of them is like, yeah, no, he's like, he invites them on. Uh, he was talking about how in one of those episodes, the guy is like, never show your emotions to your girl or she's going to leave you. And then Curtis Connor was like, you must be a fucking downer every time you're with your friends because you don't talk to your girlfriend. You're just like, yeah, let's watch the football game. And he's like, you just start crying. And it's like, maybe if you shared a relationship with your girlfriend, then maybe. But it's it's so funny that, yeah, like those two things can exist. And then that ends up with entrenching toxic masculinity where you can't share your emotions with anyone. And then you kill people, uh, which is, a you know, obviously there's more steps in between that. But I kind of want to pivot back to this section about, you know, aromanticism. Um, oh yeah because it's the arrow episode yeah oh yeah okay um but also uh no because we're talking about this like pressure of like extra relationships so i kind of wanted to ask like what is there's a question on here i think i have a little bit more familiar with the split attraction model because i think it's similar to there's a model of bisexuality that's like similar um but yeah what is the split attraction model now that we're talking about clear platonic relationships and you know all of that jazz Okay, so the split attraction model is basically, like, there's sexual attraction, and then there's romantic attraction, and you could be bisexual, biromantic, or just, like, a lot, like, straight people are heterosexual, heteromantic, and that's the identity, but you could also have different ones, like, I identify as, like, asexual, but I say I'm biromantic, demiromantic. And it can be different, and it just further explains the nuance behind attraction in a way that just saying one label can't. Yeah, that's a great explanation of it. And, like, for me, I feel like a lot of people assume that if you are aromantic, you are also asexual. Mm -hmm. So whenever I introduce my identity, I also say... (laughs) It's funny because it sounds like, yeah, I'm aromantic, but I fuck, for sure. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. Um, (laughs) Once again, we're revisiting this. I wish. Thank you. Um, (laughs) My number one identity, as aforementioned, is loser. Um, But, yeah, it's like there's a lot of assumptions around identities that have one label, like even with like the lesbian label, which is like now con- uh, conceptualized as like much broader than just women attracted to women. Like some lesbians are probably attracted to, you know, certain types of non-binary people or only women or all non-men, stuff like that. But in my case, it's like I experience romantic attraction, uh, but I, I don't experience, oh my God. Freudian slip. Oh no. Uh, I don't don't experience romantic attraction, but I experience sexual attraction primarily to men and other trans people. Right. So like, you know, and some, uh, I do want to point out like the split attraction model was specifically, you, uh, started for specifically conversations about like the aromantic asexual spectrum, but like, I think it's totally, like you mentioned, like, I'm I'm totally fine with, like, if an allo-romantic, allo-sexual person with different ways of experiencing sexual and romantic attraction want to use it, that's totally fine. Um, there's, like, some people who, like, are attracted, attracted to men and women sexually, but would 
uh, like only settle down with a woman or something like that, which like a lot of people kind of experience, but don't label it explicitly. Like they don't explicitly use the split attraction model. But anyways, I digress. Um, there's also things called tertiary attraction, which is uh, split in two. And then there's another one also. Um, and that can include things like queer platonic attraction that we mentioned, which is kind of that in-between space, that intimate space. Um, there's sensual attraction, which is your desire to have physical intimacy that's not necessarily sexual. Um, there's aesthetic attraction, which pretty much everyone experiences, um, which is, I find you attractive, just like as a person, like you look really cool. You have a great fashion sense. I think, you know, I don't want to fuck you, but I think you look great. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the ace experience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's like, do I want to do I want to dress like you or do I want to be with you? Um, that, that's the thing. But uh, and there's there's some others as well. But it's just like I, I don't understand um, hesitance towards being more specific because I feel like it's easier when people are more specific. If you're um, what's it called? Potentially get want to get into a relationship with them, because if they tell you up front, these are the things I experience and these things I don't. There's no questions. Um, and then you can move on or get together or whatever. Um, but yeah. Not every uh, aromantic or asexual person uses the split attraction model also. Some people just say aromantic or just say asexual or whatever spectrum label they use. Um, and they those people might consider their labels to be identical for both. They might consider just not care about the other one. It's not a fundamental part of their identity. So not everybody uses it, but clearly we do. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't get the issue with the split attraction model either in terms of hesitancy to embrace it. Um, I just think, I also think too that there's also a hesitancy in general from allo-romantic and allosexual people to not embrace aromantic and asexual people. Um, there's always like, are you sure? I don't know. Okay, I will say that I feel like the split attraction model doesn't work for me, but also this doesn't mean that it doesn't work for other people. No, JQ, you're the only person, actually. Yeah. So yeah, you're, yeah, you've yeah. disproved it. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't get stuff like that. It's like people who use by versus pan but like for two people it might mean the exact same thing yeah. like it does not matter i, 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 I go in between both labels like i like <gasps> judah i use both bad of queer them. person how dare you i use both of them oh i know like, well, i don't have any pearls to somebody, clutch somebody's, somebody's fainting right now <laughs> uh, i identify as pan for a while and then i realized no i have a very clear preference and like it's more of a tertiary attraction than anything but i have a very clear preference so i guess that disqualifies pan <laughs> and also I just really like the bi flag so that was my decision so Slay. we have a, now have a bi flag in the office so you got to see it firsthand. I will say that I do like the softer 70s colors I kind of wish that made a comeback I'm not gonna lie <laughs> I'm the colors are so harsh now on the I, I'm waiting for yeah because I feel like as more genders get announced you're running out of combinations <laughs> so like slowly it's like neon and stuff and i'm like this is so ugly <laughs> gender instead of gender reveal it's a gen every baby has a new gender just gender announcement party yeah and they're like they're running out of different types you know of what? glitter gender, to shoot out of okay, cannons gender announcement parties for adults sound kind of dope though no yeah like a, re a rebirth party i yeah. think people do yeah yeah you know you can invite all of your closest friends and you're like hey this is my new gender yeah it's like cut it to the cake cut it to the cake oh my god i'm gender oh, yeah, queer make it a guessing game yeah make it like a make it like a lottery you have people bet yeah you know? <laughs> all right all right all right have people what, bet oh my what god what is their gender their new gender <laughs> 
Oh for the God. betting pool. And you get all the money. Yeah, I just rigged, uh, rigged the gender gambling. <laughs> gender gambling. We're, we're going to get arrested. <laughs> this is not a casino. Um, oh, my God. All right. Sorry. Pivoting back to our main discussion. Well, you don't like our tangents, do you, Judah? Wow. I do. I do. Um, they happen every time. Inevitable. They do, they do happen every time. Oh, wait, should we do the, like, do you have any fun, like, arrow coming out stories? Um, oh, yeah. Do you have any, like, aromantic coming out stories? Like, how do you go about? We also take sad ones. Yeah, also sad ones. We'll also I'm take sad. payment in sad ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. This, yeah, it's, this is, like, a really long one that's very tied to my aceness. Go ahead. And, go or don't. Oh, it's up to you. Don't yeah, it's pressure. so, like, no, it's not even sad. It's just a really long-winded one. So you can go first while I, like, formulate and boot up how I'm going to explain this. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I don't think I like, oh, actually, the first time I told somebody that I was on the aromantic spectrum, and ironically, she was also asexual, um, she said, you'll find someone someday. And I thought that was ironic. But on a positive note, uh, I have explained it to my mom probably like six times because she just keeps forgetting. Um, But I think she's got it now because um, we were interviewing someone for like some sort of queer holiday. And she goes, now we have to find a no romance one for you to do, like for you to interview. But um, yeah, I don't think I've, besides, I mean, I'm out online. I'm like a, an aromantic influencer. influencer. Yeah, I was included some in some arrow creators lists. Shout out to Zoe Staller for featuring me. Um, like right next to Yasmin Benoit, uh, I was like, Wow. Me? Okay. Okay. I'll take it. Um, has, has her team reached back out there? No, she Is hasn't. She? Oh my God. Uh, now that I'm also a famous aromantic influencer, I'll have to reach out again. Um, <laughs> it'll totally work. Um, but yeah, I just like am passively out to anyone who looks at my Instagram bio, but I'm sure plenty of people don't know what aromantic means, so they kind of just skip over it in their brains. Um, they think you, you smell really nice. Yeah. The most transgender queer aromatic. Yeah. Um, cause like I said, um, I don't have never been approached for a relationship, so I've never had to be like, Ooh, sorry. Um, I'm actually aromantic, but maybe one day that'll happen. Um, manifesting. I don't want, I'm just kidding. I don't want that to happen. Um, (laughs) but yeah, so my, it's, and then like explaining it to my older sisters who are both, uh, my two sisters who are not aromantic, um, like having a conversation with them and my like sisters having very realistic and common questions about like, well, what if you do find someone like the, the, I, I just do think like labels are for us in the moment. Like, I don't know what I'm going to be when I'm 30 or 40 or whatever, but if this fits me now, like that's fine. Like what if I find someone who cares, then I'll change my label. That's always like a weird gotcha question, you know, what if you do end up finding someone then I guess I'm going to hell. Like, what, what do you want? Like, I guess the world is gonna end. Like, I guess I don't know. Then um, the committee of mean arrow people gets to show up at your house and be like, <laughs> beat the shit out of me. <laughs> Here comes the exclusionists. Uh, the exclusionists are gonna beat the shit out of you. Uh, but yeah, that's my my little stories. What about you? Got your formulation? Okay, I mean not really, but when it comes to coming when it comes to coming out to my family, I think I'm only out to like three people in my family. One was because um, I came out to my aunt, like, the summer before freshman year of college because she wanted to give a whole sex ed lecture to me for, like, 30-plus minutes, and I was just sitting there, like, smiling and nodding because I didn't know what to do with this information that I was I knew I wasn't going to need. 
And then she's like, okay, but by the way, about sexual orientation, where do you fall on that? And I just looked at Not her, her just asking you. And like, at the very end, I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm asexual. <laughs> like, and she's like, oh, you're not going to... I'm like, no, I'm not. And she's like, oh, what about romantic attraction? Not and her having that second one lined up. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I think I'm just demi-romantic. And... And she's like, oh, there's that one, there's that one guy. He's pretty cute. And I'm like, yeah, I didn't want. I feel like going into queer platonic relationship. And I'm like, yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. And then I just moved on. And then another time was just like I said I was ace because it was just the are you queer? I'm pretty sure you're queer. And I'm like, yeah, I'm ace. And then mistook someone else mistook that for arrow and then uh-huh. tried to explain that oh you just don't like anybody. And I'm like. Wait, that's not, that's a very, you just kind of glossed over a lot of nuance to help. Sorry, imagine trying to, like, explain someone's own identity to them. Anyway, go on. (laughs) Yeah, classic. (laughs) And then lastly, like, the only other person in my family, oh, no, I actually came out to my cousin, who's like, oh, you don't get crushes? And I just like, no, I don't. Not really. Not really. And And then sometimes people try to prove it to you that you have. (laughs) <laughs> they're like you've never felt butterflies and i'm like i've been on a roller coaster yeah. it's the same like uh, butterflies i don't what like i'm not gonna lie the butterflies in your stomach type metaphor always freaks me out yeah. i don't want bugs that's, yeah. that's body like bugs, look at that body horror romantic thing out no we gotta this. make an arrow film where everybody's infected with stomach butterflies <laughs> i think the last time i got stomach butterflies oh my god not me outing myself as such a fan i was meeting james and chelsea from the dead meat podcast which is so embarrassing <laughs> it didn't happen the second time so my parasocial relationship was worn off but yes. um yeah butterflies are a terrible metaphor but they also i get it because roller coasters it happens anyway it's sorry like cut you off better metaphor than butterflies <laughs> and then like the third person in my family i came out to was just i came out to my grandpa and i just explained i just figured you know what yeah i'm asexual and he's like and he took it like he kind of just was like oh okay because i didn't try going into split attraction but he kind of just figured that my romantic experience is different i tried to explain it without using labels because i didn't want to overwhelm him with labels and he's like, oh, okay, that's perfectly fine. Oh. It actually means you don't have to worry about other stuff. I'm like, you're right, yeah. And he's like, and if that changes, that's still okay. And I'm like, thank you. Oh. Like, that was, that was, like, thank you. That was so positive. Oh, yay. And in terms of, like, coming out to friends and stuff, I don't know. People usually just ask, like, if they see that I have an ace pin, because I'm a little bit more out about being ace by having an ace pin, and that is it. So my coworker asked me the other day about it, and I was like, yeah, um, I'm Ace. And then the next question is, oh, are you Arrow? And I'm like, Arrow's back. And then I had to explain what that meant. I love the follow-up questions everybody has. They're like, okay, next thing. Next yeah, like, thing. Some, some people know how it works. And then like my coworker explained, like, oh, my cousin's Ace. And that was basically it. Because like, nice. it's really hard for me to talk about Arrow experiences without talking about Ace experiences. Because they're just so entwined for me mm-hmm. in terms of my experience overall. I love that thing. Like, people do that all the time. They're like, oh, I have a cousin who's ace. Do you know them? (laughs) And it's true. We kind of all know each other. There's a group chat. Um, There's a group chat. Everyone gets a mail from each other, you know. (laughs) We're all Ben Bells. Yeah. I'm so sad that I can't be in the um, aromantic pen pal ring. Yeah, I'm sorry. You've been excluded, you lesbian. (laughs) There are lesbians in there, just not Just not me. Yeah. Your type of alloromantic lesbian. How dare you? Got to intrude. Um, <laughs> ridiculous. Yeah, I'm happy to. I'm I'm happy to hear that 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 you're 
I know I feel like older people are usually rougher terrain because you're like, oh, are they gonna get it? Um, most of my grandparents are no longer alive, so I won't have to worry about that. But you know, oh. it's okay. Oh. It's okay. And that's really where I'm at. I'm like, great. <laughs> that's to... check that one off. <laughs> I also think too, like we didn't have the terminology like this back then. You know what I mean? Like it's a lot of people who have, probably have felt similarly. That's the thing, know? right? Okay, mom, don't be listening to this. I'm convinced my mom is very romantic. That's like she's only she she is only dated my dad and anyone else she's had a crush on are celebrities, and she like, and that's it. And she's never like never been obsessed with boys who aren't celebrities. And I'm like, mom. Mom, I think I might have a label for you. Um, but Christmas gift, it's a label. Yeah, Christmas gift, I get her a gray row flag, and she's like, what the fuck is, is the, you changing something? Like, what's happening? It's nice when people react nicely, and they feature you on lists um, on the internet. <laughs> That's a takeaway. Like, to get it finished, your internet famous now. Yeah, sorry, yeah. bragging. Uh, <laughs> just just subtle, brag just, just subtle brag. Um, brag all you want. It's my yeah. This is my episode. This is my podcast. This is my magazine. Okay, I can brag all you want. It is. I made. I created it this in 1979. <laughs> <laughs> I just. <laughs> this is your world. I'm just living in it. No, literally. Um, I'm the side. I'm the side character. <laughs> side character. Um, you and me are Daryl and Carol because we're the only ones that are left from our freshman year. Ooh. <laughs> that outright. <laughs> ooh, oh my god, you're so right. Oh my god, crazy to think about. This is an interesting question. How do you differ from people's perceptions of a romantic people? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, because there's, there's obviously, I think people do have a preconceived notion of what somebody views like a romantic is. I'm sure they think it's some like prude who, who sits in the dark all day on the internet. <laughs> oh, Maya? No. <laughs> I don't know what you do. Uh, but. Yeah, I mean, well, first thing is I am not asexual also. Um, I feel like aloe arrow is probably the smallest part of the, like, aspect community um, in terms of, like, the major labels. Um, and I'm also, like, hmm, I mean, I'm not a psychopath. Everybody thinks that arrow people are psychopaths. If you, like, look up um, Yasmin Bonet, uh, Benoit has, like, a post that they make every... Arrow week or like ace ace week ace day and it's like tweets that have been like replied to her features about being like a, a lingerie model um, because uh, for anyone listening who doesn't know who Yasmin is uh, she is a, an asexual and aromantic uh, model she does lingerie um, and she's also like an activist for asexual aromantic communities she black has some community. really gorgeous photos oh on yeah Instagram. she looks awesome she looks great um. And the all the tweets are like, and obviously those articles talk about how seemingly contradictory she's a laundry model and she's ace arrow, right? And people online are just so mad that that's a thing. Like that someone can be pretty but not into them. Yeah, it's like you must have been abused by your father, or you must be a psychopath. I feel like for a lot of like cis men, and primarily people who comment under her posts are cis men. Mm -hmm. It's like a cis straight men, at least. I'm assuming it's an entitlement, you know, to sexuality mm -hmm. or lack thereof. Um, an entitlement to her body, unfortunately. She's also a black woman, too, so that kind of intertwines with the rest of her identity. Because there is a preconceived notion that black women 
are more sexual than non-black women. Obviously, that's not true, but that has been something that's been reinforced over time through like stereotypes and all of that. Oh, oh, I did want to mention too, which is funny coming after the very nuanced and important conversation about the oppression of black women. Uh, but it's also rare to see an aromantic man, like someone who identifies openly as aromantic, who's also a man. Uh, like in Anthony Padilla's um, episode about aromantic people, uh, one of the people was a guy. And I was like, oh my God, that's so cool. You never see that. Because I feel like the assumption is almost that men are a straight men or asexual are not asexual but aromantic because they fuck and they don't care about women. So like Yeah. People people will see like aromantic men, oh you mean like a regular one who don't actually put romantic effort uh, but wanna fair, fuck. To be fair, patriarchy does do a number oh, yeah. on on men. Everyone. For, yeah, on everyone, but on men especially in regards to their emotions and sexuality and labels and all of that, they're not there's this pressure to kind of like to always be in a relationship. I'm not trying to like armchair psych like armchair psychologize. It's not a real word, but I'm gonna make it a real psychologize. I'm gonna make it a real word for this sentence. Psychoanalyze. Um, psych. There you go. Psych. That's the oh yeah, Freud. Thank oh you. yeah. Psychoanalyze cis men, but there is a lot of pressure for men to always for cis men to be kind of like this like punk that has like a woman on both sides of the arm and like especially like with the whole like the rise of like alpha males and all of that like not the rise of alpha males the rise of taking over i'm just thinking hunk and i'm like oh yeah (laughs) very oh yeah look take a look at those those babies sorry you said oh yeah my mind went the kool-aid man yes Crash through the the glass. Yeah, you can't prove the Kool Aid Man isn't aromantic unless there's like a Kool Aid love interest, which I hope there isn't. Oh, I, I hope think, not. I think there is. I think. Oh Jesus! Please no. No. Nothing you know is what? sacred. We're not even gonna look it up. If if I don't see it, it doesn't exist. Um, do do you want to share your identities that I wouldn't say contradict, but I feel like contradict um, societal expectations about aromantic people? Oh, I'm just currently hung up on. Kool-Aid man right now. <laughs> I'm busy. Shut the fuck up, Chris. But, I'm busy. No, no, I was just briefly, briefly thinking, wait, what? Because um, he's a he's a glass jar. Yeah. New head cannon. I don't think he has sexual organs, probably. Or a heart. Does he? Well, I Because he can be good. empty. So, so the, the... I think the person who created the Kool-Aid Man as a character said that, like, the juice inside is, like, his inside. Oh. Ellie, please do some live fact-checking about the Kool-Aid Man. <laughs> <laughs> I saw this horrifying animation where, like, somebody was just standing there and then the Kool-Aid Man flipped yeah, on top of him and he was, too. like, banging on the inside, drowning. Oh it was God, horrible. It was, what? I mean, kind of awesome, though. Yeah, it was crazy. I'll, I'll edit that in if I can find it. It's so good. Um, that's like but, how the Kool-Aid man feeds. Yeah, jeez, oh, he gosh. dissolves people inside of his sugary inside. Like a pitcher plant. Yeah, pitcher plant. Oh. Ooh. What do you think the Kool-Aid man's Pokédex entry would be? Would he be a water type? Water dark type? If we're, or, or water poison. Water, water poison. poison! Water poison. Drink the Kool-Aid. Yeah! 
Oh know my what? god. Yes, that wasn't actually cooling. It was, it was like a knockoff. Knock yeah, flavor. Of course, he couldn't fucking afford the original. LOL. So, sorry, I'm like reading this article what about was the cooling man. Oh, Here, we gotta oh. finish the cool. Now that you've started <laughs> it, okay? We I have to finish it. it. I just briefly was stuck on that. Uh, sorry, this became the Kool Aid Man episode. The Kool Aid right? episode. Um, Kelly, now you have to draw us all as Kool Aid people. The Kool Aid Man is the, according to Lily, our live fact checker, the Kool Aid Man is the jar and not the liquid. Okay. I, I read something that it's both. He's both the jar and the liquid inside the jar. Hey, Chris. We, we can make this a mess. Chris, are you your bones or your skin? <laughs> are you? <laughs> I don't know. I'm clearly not my muscles. Um, he's full of water because he's in the shower? Yeah. What? What, what are you, um, what are Lily, you what are you looking at? Instagram alien stuff. <laughs> I don't just. <laughs> it's on an article. Lily looked up oh Kool Aid Man there's Rule a, 34. There's a Kool Aid Man no. commercial where he's in the shower, so he's full of clear water instead of being full of Kool Aid. My life isn't all cherry and sweetness. Oh, yeah? I put my pants on one leg at a time. So my pants are 22 different flavors. Oh, no. Dude, his red, his red blood cell count. And that must have been crazy. <laughs> Not it's true he falls over when he gets up too fast anyways anyway. the question was <laughs> how do you differ from like people's perceptions of what an aromantic person is or Personally, looks like my perception of an aromantic person is the kool-aid man <laughs> <laughs> jake you get the fuck out of here <laughs> i just talked about my own personal experiences because that's the best I could do because I can't speak for other people and I feel like trying to go up against every single negative stereotype for arrow people is impossible mm -hmm. because there's just society loves shaming arrows. Yeah. I feel like people don't realize too, like a matonormativity, big fancy word, which is like goes in line with cis normativity, heteronormativity, is just the societal idea that a romantic relationship in the form of monogamous, heterosexual, cisgender marriage is the thing you should be striving for. And once you have it, you are fulfilled. And like rom-coms, right? The woman who is single is always a busy bee. She's accomplished in her job and she usually has to sacrifice that in order to get into a relationship with a dream man. And, and even though in a lot of those films, those women are like perfectly fine being those busy bees. Their best friend is always like, you're lonely and you need dick. <laughs> and then that's the plot of the movie. Um, oh my god, yeah. A rom-com? A rom-com. That would be fun. But then I feel like people would be like, do you mean just a comedy? Oh, Jesus fucking god. Obviously no. You know Let's what be mean? clear, a rom-com is a completely different genre. Oh wait, 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 wait. I have a, I have a good idea for one. Yes, pitch. Right, let me, let me pitch, pitch sesh. Real quick. All right, all right, all right. NBC, are you listening? <laughs> all right. So one person is a busy bee. All right, we have we have the busy bee archetype. The other person works at a nursery with plants. Oh. And they enter. Oh, well, I guess at the end. Is this the plot of the bee movie? No. Not no. The, not the plot of the. Bee are, movie. are you sure? Are you sure? Because there's a florist and a bee in that. <gasps> I kind of forgot who the busy, the busy bee, bee in this scenario is not <laughs> an actual <laughs> bee. Okay, metaphorical. Or a bee. human who is busy. <laughs> a human who is, yeah, thank you, Jake. Not a bee. Um, not an actual bee. Um, but anyways, 
The other person works at a nursery, and they by the end of it, they get into a queer platonic relationship. But there's hijinks that ensue for some reason. I don't know. I just uh, saw this idea right now. I'm into that. Yeah, I'd watch. Queering the B movie. I like that. <laughs> Basically. Basically, except the they are both you. The A movie? Oh, no. Oh, my God. Perfect. That's so perfect. See? My joke worked out, okay? Um, it's a movie. It... <laughs> Styles talking about don't worry darling oh, my favorite part about this movie is that it's it's a movie <laughs> my favorite thing about the movie is like it feels like a like a movie and that's me on the press tour for a movie starring me and amaya i guess <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. it's a movie it's a movie it's a movie <laughs> And, uh, Seinfeld is not invited to this movie. I want to do maybe one, one more, one, two more. Do you, okay, Jakey, do you have any you want to add? Uh, it doesn't have to I be from the list. Up with, uh, so what advice would you give to someone oh, yeah, who thinks good they one. might be aromantic? Do you have anything off the cuff? I'm trying to think. Yeah, we got to do our thinking session. Jeopardy what, like, music. What advice would you give to like younger you who presumably didn't know they were aromantic? Oh, younger me. Stop getting into romantic relationships. Stop it. Stop it. You don't need those. Because I feel like as a... my, I think my disability really intertwines with all of my identities the most. Like, growing up, I was ungendered, basically, because I was put into a third category of disabled rather than, like, socialized as a man or a woman. And with romance, too, there's, like, a stereotype and trope that a lot of disabled people are pushed into and honestly forced into because of inaccessibility and stuff but whatever well that's that's a conversation for another time but they are um stereotyped as asexual and incapable of having a romantic relationship and in order to have a romance i actually went to a talk with the disability studies minor yesterday um where the author was talking about how in narratives that uh, parents of disabled kids write about those kids they often talk about their kid overcoming their disability in the form of achieving heterosexuality or achieving romance. Um, so growing up, I was, you know, bullied a lot. I, I was a fucking loser as we've already gone over. Um, so like getting any sort of romantic attention or anything from somebody who I found attractive was like everything to me because I felt like that was something that I lacked um, and I use lack very specifically because lack implies something is missing um, but now that I've gone through those relationships I mean like honestly you know they taught me a lot so maybe somewhere in the fate of the world I was supposed to go through them but going through those and realizing oh I wasn't actually romantically interested in these people I was either desperate for any sort of validation or we were trauma bonded um, like realizing that made me realize that I was not lacking like romantic attraction or lacking romantic validation. I was just lacking like self-confidence and love for myself. And then coming to college where I meet all these other queer people and I meet, you know, my roommate who's also on the aromantic spectrum and I start having actual friends instead of not having friends like I did in high school. I realize, oh, I there's no void to fill. Like that void was just there because I didn't have other relationships or other passions in my life that I was pushing myself towards. But now that I have outright, I have the art that I do. I have, you know, internships and writing and all this stuff that I like love doing. And I throw myself into a hundred percent. Like 
those fill that metaphorical void, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I don't feel like, and even if I lost those things, I think now with that foresight, I don't think I like being in a romantic relationship would fix them, obviously, because it's not what fixed them before. Um, so I would say to my younger self and to any people who think they're aromantic, you don't have to try it. You really don't. Like some, you know, people always say like, you know, if a lesbian comes out, like, well, have you been with the men? How do you even know? Um, and you should apply that same logic to whatever sexuality or romantic orientation that you have. Like if you feel like you're not feeling anything, you don't have to test it out. Um, like we said earlier, if it ends up being something different, if it ends up you're demi-romantic or you you have experienced attraction once and never again, or you weren't aromantic at all, you really were a late bloomer, um, that's fine. But like the aromantic label, just like any label, is supposed to serve you however you want it to serve you. And if it served you for a few years, a few months, in a questioning period, after your last breakup, for the rest of your life, whatever, it's there for you to hold when you want to hold it. Um, and now I'm holding it very dearly. But um, yeah, I would just say, be tr- try other things before you thrust yourself into a romantic relationship. Try evaluating other things in your life that might be missing, like get more into something that you love to do, like drawing, but you don't have enough time to do it. Um, so yeah, that's my advice. Find Beautiful. Find your passions. I love my passions as much as I would love a romantic partner, but my passions get me Instagram followers and a partner would not. So <laughs> take that. <laughs> okay. So for my advice, um, personally, I think the biggest thing that changed a lot of like how I was feeling about myself was just realizing that just a lot of self-reflection. Like I needed to stop, like I had to stop thinking about what society want me to do like, okay, here's what society wants from me. This is what they expect from me. This is what they expect from all these arbitrary rules. And I used to really throw myself and try to make myself fit these rules and really fake it till I make it. And I couldn't make it. And I just remember this very, like, just being really upset and talking to a friend at the time, just being like, um, look, I'm asexual society doesn't want this I don't even know what kind of romantic relationship I would want who the heck would want me because I don't want to live alone for the rest of my life because I know what queer platonic was at the time and they were like look you're you are going to find the right person for you and I don't mean this in an asexual way I mean you're going to find like an asphobic way you're going to find the right person who respects your boundaries and truly makes you feel like bring the like I'm trying to like this is the thing I was trying to word earlier and just screwed up and I just didn't say it and this is of course I saved the worst for last but it's <laughs> you're just, doing great. You're doing great. Alright, thanks. Uh it was just like, hey, you'll find the person that'll help you feel comfortable in this relationship. And at the and I did some self reflecting, like, okay, what would that look like? It's like, well, like I said earlier, a lifelong travel companion and I was thinking like, yeah, cuddling's great. That would be great too. Just throw that in there. Yeah, just throw that in there. Like, that's about it. But it's like, and really just enjoying the mundane, like I said earlier. And then, funny enough, here's the biggest plot twist. Like, slowly but surely from the rest of high school, that's sophomore high school. And then, come end of senior year, two of us are platonic, like a queer platonic, real romantic aspect relationship. Like, it's, we don't even use labels for it. It's just. It's like, yeah, found the person, plot twist, it was you all along. <laughs> Aww. Aww. 
and we've been together ever since. But oh, I don't really yay. use I don't really use many labels to describe our relationship because it's just it's not exactly queer platonic because there is some romance in there, but isn't romantic because it doesn't fit all of the weird societal expectations. And also, I actually feel comfortable in it, so I feel like that disregards a lot of romantic expectations right there. Yay. Nice. Yay. So, long story short, I think self-reflection is like on what you actually want as a person and not what oh, what society's telling you, because if you keep trying to throw yourself into whatever society tells you to be happy, you won't really find what makes you happy. You'll just find what people think would make you happy, and you need to figure out what works best for you. Amazing. That's a perfect place to end, I think. Yeah. Find what makes you happy, if it's love, if it's not, if it's stuff you like to do. It's your life. Live it. Use the label. Use labels how you want. Yay. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Amaya, for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Um, thank you. This was thank fun. You. Yeah, I'm glad. Um, well, you all can follow Outright on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook, although we really only post on Instagram, um, at Outright News Mag. You can also get our bi-weekly bi articles on our website, outrightnewsmag.org. That's right spelled W-R-I-T-E. You want people to follow you on Instagram? Anything you want to oh, share? I anything? simply do not exist. Oh, to that's be honest. you, know like, you cannot so follow me. I'm nowhere. I'm nowhere. Yeah. And as people can see on the uh, podcast episode of this, uh, you even can't see their face. It's a cute little drawing done yeah, by our illustrator. Like, I do not exist. I'm just, I'm <laughs> just a. The, the, only place, the only yeah. place you can follow Amaya is around in real life. Yeah. Yeah. So don't do that. Literally it. <laughs> please, please don't do that. Please don't stalk me. Um, I but, won't even notice you. I'm too oblivious. Okay. I'll I'll put up a flyer for Ace Aerospace if there's anyone here who goes to UCLA who'd like to join that. It's for uh A Spec and Aerospec Spectrums. Um but I have been Christopher. I've been Gita. I've been JQ. And this has been Amaya. Thank you so much for listening. We'll see you next week on our next episode of Speak Out. Bye, everyone. Bye, contradiction. My boobs are being covered by these headphones. Oh, my no. boobs are also being covered. We are. You can do. Do you want to do a quick hoop hoop yeah, reveal? Yeah, hoop reveal. Could be like cute. Look at these. Oh, they're so huge. <laughs> ah. Okay, sorry. <laughs> hoop intermission. <laughs>